Today, Randy is going to talk about finding life satisfaction. But before he does, let me set the table. As Atlantans, we are all well aware of how hot it is in July, right? Maybe we're outside by the pool with our friends and family on the 4th of July and we get really thirsty, right? Maybe we want a large glass of ice water or maybe a large sweet tea from Chick-fil-A. Whatever it is, we want it because we want to satisfy our thirst. But what happens after we drink it? Well, we want another one, right? Because, because it only satisfied for the moment and then we want it again. Extending beyond just being Atlantans, um, we all search for something that will satisfy, right? For me, I search for life satisfaction through the cars I drive. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you, okay? I love awesome, fast, really expensive, foreign cars, okay? We took a picture of me finding life satisfaction in the cars that I drive, so take a look. Yeah, that's me cheesing it in the Ranger. Okay, but, but seriously though, right? Do we not all search for life satisfaction in something? Or maybe it's sex. You go from one relationship to the next, searching for intimacy or, or companionship. Maybe it's your image. Maybe you exhaust hours in the gym because, uh, because you want to look a certain way or, or buy the most expensive clothes or get cosmetic procedures done because you feel that if you look a certain way, you'll be loved, right? Well, maybe it's money. Maybe you work 100 hours a week at your job because you think if you just make a little more money, you'll be a little more comfortable and a little more satisfied. But what always happens, right? It lasts for a moment and then we want more, right? We need more. So Randy's here today to discuss finding that life satisfaction. Satisfaction that is not momentary, but satisfaction that lasts. So please give your attention to Randy Pope. Good morning. We're glad to have you guys here at our investigative forum. Let me tell you a little bit about it as we uh, kick this off. To begin with, uh, it's a five-week investigation. It's four weeks where we dig into central questions of uh, most import, and then we have a fifth week that's added that's just Q&A where we can uh, interact and talk together. So five weeks that we hope is going to be a very non-threatening, enjoyable, uh, brief uh, with open questions, so uh, that's what our called investigative forum is all about. Uh, there'll be three groups of folks here, if it's the norm. We have, first of all, those that would be what we would call skeptics or uh, people uncertain about the Christian faith and have come to say, I'd like to just engage a little bit to hear about it, and you're our primary guest of all. Uh, we have others that are here that are in a search who uh, I would call it people with beliefs about the Christian faith and would say, I really do believe in the Christian faith, but I can't say that it is really a conviction. It's not something that drives the way I live and think and so forth. It just, in a sense, probably I would be saying Allah had I been uh, raised in North Africa or somewhere. So uh, just say, I wanna, I wanna understand the beliefs of the faith. So maybe they become convictions. And then thirdly, we have those who uh, would say, it is a conviction to me. Uh, the Christian faith is a true conviction, but I feel ill-equipped to handle some of the issues and questions that come up about the Christian faith that I would love to know more about and be able to, to deal with better. So uh, for that third group particularly, uh, well, groups two and three, I would say this, don't use this as a replacement for your time of worship. Uh, I hope you're going to do that on the honor system, uh, but uh, welcome to all. We're glad that you are here. Uh, there'll be three parts to each week. First will be a primary question. I found, as you'll hear in a minute, there are basically a handful, say five questions that I believe that if someone has really investigated the answers to those five questions, they really have completed a fairly good investigation. So we'll uh, walk through that in just a moment. The second, you have the Gospel of John that's been given to you, one on each seat. And uh, I'll be encouraging you, if you make this a, a part of your each week over the next weeks, to, uh, and I'll, I'll direct at the end which pages, but uh, just read through a few of these pages during the week, and I'll explain that in the Gospel of John. And each week, I will spend a few of my, my uh, minutes here answering the questions that you'll find in the margin. So uh, that's the Gospel of John. And then the third part is just a Q&A. It's question and answer. It can be from an open mic if you'd like to answer the, uh, ask the questions here. I love that. That's the ideal. 
But then uh, as well, you'll have instructions. You can see on the little card you have, you can be even now. Uh, you can text questions. You can email questions, and they'll come up on the screen, and we'll take them if you don't feel comfortable getting up and asking the question publicly. Now, let me, uh, let me just walk through these uh, five questions. The first question that we'll actually be looking at today is how does a person, how does a person really find life satisfaction? Is there something more that, that most people can find but uh, have not found that I would call life satisfaction? So we'll deal with that one this week. The next question, big question, is this. How can Christians believe that this thing called the Bible is God's Word, and, and then if you talk to Christians very long, you'll see that it's historic of the Christian belief that, that it is an infallible rule of faith and practice. An infallible rule of faith and practice. What do we mean by that? And, and, and how can you believe something written that long ago, first of all, could ever have been, but even if it was, remains such that you can still say here, is an infallible rule for faith and practice. Hmm. That's the first question. Second, uh, or the uh, second question. The third question, I think of most importance, is this one. This is the challenging one of all. That is, how can Christians believe that all people, including moral religious people who are outside the Christian faith, that every other person deserves to be separated from God forever and ever, for all eternity? How can Christians believe that? The next question, the next question is, uh, I think, so relevant because it's the question that, that really gets down to the heart of it all, and that is, of all the religious leaders that have ever lived, how can we believe that Jesus is the one and only way to find eternal life? Everybody else, you just have to say, nope, not a way to God. This is the one and only way. Then you come to the final question, which is, if you found merit to the answers of the Christian faith in the first questions, then you'd want to ask this question, what does Jesus say is required to have eternal life? So that's the, those are the uh, questions that we'll be taking uh, each week as we walk through this. So let's, let's start with this first question, and that is, uh, how is it that you find life satisfaction? Is there such a thing, and how do you find it? I have had the privilege over the years of meeting with hundreds and hundreds, primarily men, but men and women, but I've met with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to interact with them on life and faith. As I've done that, I've noticed this, everybody is looking for the same thing. They really are. Looking for the same thing. There's a sense in which everyone's in a race to put some kind of puzzle together. And the problem is, as they're trying to put the puzzle together, it's not making sense because it's as if there is one piece that's missing and they can't figure it out. It just doesn't ever quite make sense. I'll illustrate with a story. I was in my office one day and uh, my assistant uh, interrupted me and she said, Randy, I think you need to meet with someone waiting right now that wants to see you. And I said, well, I'm actually in the middle of this right now. Tell me what it is. And said, no, I think you, will need to, you need to go ahead and meet because... Uh, it's a lady who she is saying she's about to take her life. And uh, so I said, okay. So she came in and I sat down and I meet Judy. And Judy uh, begins to tell her story. I said, first of all, I need to know why are, are you here talking to me? Do you go to church here? She said, well, no. No, but I have a son and a daughter-in-law who are adults. They do come to church here. And uh, so she went on to tell her story. She said, you know, I am, uh, I'm to the point that I, I just, I can't find life. There's nothing in life for me. And uh, she told her story that, uh, that she was about to take her life. And I've had plenty of people in my, in my ministry years to say, I'm about to take my life. And I have to say, the majority of them, I don't believe, will ever take their life. I always can be surprised, but most would not take their life. This situation, I said, this lady is about to take her life. She was almost excited about dying just to get into life. I said, well, explain. What are your problems? She says, that's my problem. I have no real problems. I'm happily married to a very good man. I have two grown children, and they're fine children. I have outstanding health. We have plenty of money. She says, I just can't explain it, but I have, 
I, I'm just tired. Life is just not. I don't know. I can't explain it. I have no excuses, but I'm just saying I'm tired of living. When I heard their story, I, I, I had to think. In fact, I, I voiced it in, in a kind way. I said, you know, you really are further along than most people in life because what you've done, in a sense, you've tracked the, the Internet of life, and you've come to the end as far as you're concerned, and you found no answers. Everybody else is still in that search and assuming, you know, the next page has an answer, the next page has an answer. You've just come to the place you have no hope because you don't think there's another page. But inside I was smiling because I knew there was an answer to what she was looking for. And so I said to her, I said, I said, Judy, could I tell you a, a brief story? It has four chapter titles. I call it the story of glory. And I think this little story will put it all together for you. And she said, well, sure, go ahead. I said, first of all, I want you to know that the word glory is a word that's used in the Christian's Bible. It's used a lot, over and over and over and over again. But most people, even people who are churched people, they don't know anything about it. And by the way, she had told me, she said, by the way, the reason I'm here to talk to you is because my, my son and daughter-in-law have started coming to church here, and we've watched their life change so dramatically and for so much better. I thought, you know, I better check this out first, so I'm, that's why I'm talking with you. So I said, okay, well... Listen to this story. I said, people in, in, the, in the church, they read the word glory over and over when they read the Bible, but they really don't know the difference in how that word is often used. I said, there is a glory that's the glory of God. And you, you think about it, give glory to God uh, in the highest. Glory to God. There's the glory of God. He is a glorious God, we say. But I said there is a third type of glory that people kind of read over and don't ever really think about much. It's a glory that comes from God, a glory that we can actually get. And I said, Judy, you need to understand that the word glory means renown or splendor. Majesty can mean satisfaction. And so there is a satisfaction for life that can actually come from God, and that's called glory. And I think you're in a search for glory. I said, can I give you the story? She said, yeah, go ahead. And I said, well, here's chapter one. It's simply this, designed with glory. All that's saying is this, Judy, that according to the Bible, right or wrong, you can make that choice on your own. But, but I'm telling you, according to the Bible, we are designed by God with glory. That means satisfaction from the beginning of time. That's the way it was designed to be. But there is a second chapter of those four chapters that comes, and that is fall from glory. So, Judy, there's a verse in the Bible, don't know if you ever heard it, it's pretty familiar to a lot of people, it's called, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hmm. Which means, actually, when mankind fell, as we call it, went against God, call it sin, whatever you want to call it, at that point, stripped of that glory that we long to experience. So that takes you to the third chapter, Judy, and the, the third chapter is search for glory. Search for glory. I explained to her, I said, you know what, Judy, you know what life is like for most of us? We're, what we're doing is we're going really from garbage heap to garbage heap. We go from toy to toy. We go, to fix from, we go from fix to fix. We go from relationship to relationship and all along thinking there's something out there. We come out of the womb saying, what is it out there I need to play with? I need to have. I need to, there, there's something. And we're going, going, going for it. And, and we do find some satisfaction. I'll use the word, it's satisfaction when we get that new vehicle or we get that new job or we get that new person or we get a new applause that we've not given. But the problem is, Judy, it just doesn't go very far. It just, it just empties, and now we're in a bigger search. It's almost like a narcotic. It's a, it's a drug that once we get some, it satisfies, but then it dissipates, and we have to have more and more and more, and eventually we say, I can't get any more. I've, I've searched everywhere. I never forget, I was having a... a uh, a series of weeks and I was spending walking through these same questions uh, with a friend of mine. 
I just met this man, and, and we'd come, you know, to spend a little time together. He wanted to investigate, and so I was working with him once a week, and we'd gotten through, and this man's life literally turned around. I mean, if you saw that man then and you saw him now, you wouldn't recognize it. There's so much difference. Talk to his wife. She'll tell you. But uh, anyway, he had been on a, a little overnight with a friend and their wives, and they were up at their friend's place in the mountains up in North Carolina. And uh, the men were out on the balcony that evening, and the ladies were inside, and uh, they were just talking. And the man uh, that uh, I don't know at this point turns over to my friend, and he says, can I ask you a question? Are you satisfied with life? My friend answered, and he said, I am now. And the guy looked over at him and said, what do you mean now? He said, I don't know, it's kind of a long story, but I've, I've been meeting with a new friend, and he's kind of helped me see some things that have, I've found something that I've always been looking for, and it's, it's really brought me satisfaction that I've never had before. And he said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, it's so new to me, it's really hard for me. I, I, I'll, I'll put you in contact with my friend. And so, anyway, it was asked if I would have breakfast with this man. I said, sure, so I get together with him for breakfast. Now, he's a multi-multi-millionaire, He's very handsome, got a gorgeous wife, as I meet later, attractive children. I mean, he's got a thriving, thriving company that he owns. Uh, you would just think everything in life has to be good. But we're sitting there talking, and I said, well, how can I help you? He told the story about being on the, the deck, looking out over the, the mountainside, talking to, to his friend. And he said, uh, I want to find that satisfaction. And... Uh, and I said, well, let me tell you a little story. It's one that I actually told your friend, but uh, it's called the story of glory. So I get to this third chapter, search for glory. And when I said what I just had told you, he slaps the table, almost jolting me. And he said, that's me. He said, what do you mean? He said, that's me. I said, well, I, I think that's you and it's, it's everybody. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I have this thing for high-end clothing. I can't explain it. I always loved just high-end clothing. And I have plenty of resources. And so I go to my favorite store, men's store down in Buckhead. I will buy $6,000 worth of new clothing. And I'll have this rush, this high that I can't explain. I just, it's the best feeling. I put it in my trunk. I get in the car. I don't even get home. And I'm telling you, it's gone. It's like, it, it's like I never bought a thing. He says, something's wrong with me. I said, no, I think, it's, I think it's what's wrong with everybody. By the way, there's a verse in the Bible. It's in the Psalms, if you're familiar with the Psalms. In Psalm 16, 4, it says, those who seek after other gods, means other loves, meaning other loves than that of the ultimate love of God. It says, their sorrows will be multiplied. I don't know if you happened to see, I saw it on a video of an interview with uh, Tom Brady and uh, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, probably the most successful, honored quarterback of, of all in the uh, National Football League. And, and the discussion went like this. It said, he says, there's got to be more. And uh, his response uh, is... Uh, Oh, he says, there's, there must, there's got to be more. And the person says, what do you think it is? And his answer was, I wish I knew. I really wish I knew. So I had this opportunity to tell Judy. I said, Judy, there's a fourth chapter, and that's the good news. We're in a search. We're all in a search. But the good news is there is a chapter four, and that is discovery of glory. Discovery of glory. I wrote in, in, uh, in my journal that which I am convinced to be the truth. It's based on a scripture and, and an experience that I've had. Uh, the, the, the verse comes out of Colossians and it says, and Jesus is the hope of glory. Isn't that interesting? Now, is he really the hope of glory? I, that's, that's what everybody has to decide on their own. And, uh, but I wrote in my journal these words. I said, if Jesus is the hope of glory, the pursuit of satisfaction from mere career success, marital happiness, sexual pleasure, or even religious endeavors is all in vain. And I really believe that. 
discovery of glory. So I want you to know as we walk through the things we're going to be talking about, uh, it is going to be very, I hope, very clear to you that I will not approach this as a debate about Christianity because I'm not here to convince anybody that Christianity is what it claims to be. What I'm here to do is to serve as an asset to you if you find it helpful. I don't ever want anybody coming here that they say, well, I feel like I need to be here. I don't know. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for anybody else. I, I'm here to help. And I am not, I am not a brilliant man. I want you to know that. I'm, I'm probably, you know, if you can come out of a little town like Gadsden in the, in the state of Alabama and even be average, I don't know. But, but I'm, I'm probably that guy. All right? I, I, can, I haven't read every book there is to read. I'm not the scholar of scholars. I've done a lot of study. I've done a lot of reading. But I'm telling you what, I do not put myself up as here's the, here's the apologist. That's a term for someone who can defend everything about the faith and challenge the Bible. And I've, I've already researched it all. I can tell you the answer. That's just not me. But I tell you what I can do. And this is what I know I can do. I can give you a healthy representation of what Christianity actually believes and what it's all about. And all I'm going to be doing is trying to make sure that's clear to you. And if somebody comes back and says, well, I don't believe that and I just don't think you're right, I'm supposed to say, well, good, don't believe it. Maybe it's wrong. I, I don't have a, a handle on everything. I mean, I'm, I don't have the brain or the person to say, look, nobody can be smarter and no more than me that's not true i'm no better than that so that's what i'm offering you is just to hear these are the answers i think you're going to find that are going to help you understand the christian faith pretty accurately now in light of all the universal desire for satisfaction i became convinced that people needed to understand this thing and i and i put it together as a uh, as a diagram let me show you this uh, I, I just call it an investigative diagram but um is this not the coolest board you've ever seen? All right, let me just show you this diagram and, and see if this makes sense to you. Um, I did this with, with Judy, and I did it with my friend that I was talking about, but I, I'm going to put a box here, and I'm going to let this box represent mankind just in, in general, all right? I, I'm going to base what I'm going to say on the Bible, but we got to wait till next week. I mean, why, why would you believe the Bible is God's word without error? That It really is, a, 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 you know... I don't know why somebody would believe that unless they've had some instruction to say, wow, well, I didn't realize that, I didn't know that. We'll get into that next week. But just kind of assuming, just so you know where this comes from, we really have three different drives. And I'm going to put these drives in eras, strongest at the top, which is a spiritual drive. Did you know that there is not a culture in the history of mankind that does not have religion? I'm going to suggest the reason for that is innately we know that we're not the ultimate, that we had to be designed by something beyond who we are. And so that's a spiritual quest to find out, is there a God, what's that God like, and so forth. This second, I'm going to put just INT, uh, intellect. Uh, that is, we have a quest. Everybody naturally has a quest to find out what is true and what's not, what is and what isn't, and so forth. And then this last one, I'm going to put a little physical, P-H-Y here, that stands for physical drives that are very normal and good, drives such as food, drink, uh, sex, just normal good drives that, uh, that people have. Now, according to the record of the Bible, everybody has gone against God. So I'm going to put that little squiggly line. Out of all the hundreds and hundreds of people that I meet with on an individual basis to talk about this, I will say this, that I have yet to met, meet one person who said, we are perfect and or I am perfect, I have everything together, I never make mistakes, I never do anything wrong, whatever their thought of belief is, they all say, yeah, I got shortcomings. Well, that's that little line. Now, prior to that line, I'm going to suggest that man has, because this is the way, the, according to the Bible, man is designed to have the strongest of all drives to be the spiritual drives. It leaves three things. The first, I'll put a P, which stands for purpose, a reason for getting up every day. A real reason to say, I know why I'm here and I'm, I'm excited about what I'm here about. That's purpose. I'll put an F, which stands for freedom. Now, I want you to think 
as I'll use this word several times in the investigative process, uh, I want you to think of freedom as not the license to do anything you want to do. That's what children think freedom is. I just want to, I want the freedom to be, no, no, no. Freedom is actually the power or the ability to do that which you know you should be doing and are trying to do, but maybe you just can't find the way to do it. That's called freedom. And thirdly, I'm going to put an A, which will stand for assurance, meaning that if we believe that there is something after this life and the vast, vast, vast majority they've done, they've done surveys for hundreds of years now, and it's way, way, way up in the 90s, whatever. Most people say there's something beyond here. I do believe that. And people say, if there is, maybe I'm wrong, maybe there isn't anything, but if there is something, I want to be okay at that point. I don't want to be rejected. I, don't want, I want to be in good standing. So that's, these are the commodities everybody wants. And I'm convinced that according to the Bible, that this is what it's designed to give, this, this uh, order of purpose, freedom, and assurance. So as a result, after this line of going our own way against God, as a result, this is what I see happening. The spiritual becomes less than the physical, and as a result, we don't have the purpose, freedom, and assurance that we've been designed to have. And we know something's missing, so the search begins. So what we do, I did this for sure, I bet many of you can relate. We add on, I'm gonna just put a, a dotted line there, and I'm gonna call that a pseudo-spirituality meaning that we know that we need to do something to make things a little better, so we try to be good, we try to be religious, moral, we add on something, but we know that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Now, this could be a continuum of 100 boxes, but I'm going to put just one more box. Unless something turns this thing around, what happens is you see this, the uh, spiritual drive began to diminish, so I put a dash there to say it's, it's breaking up. It, now we begin this question, is there a God? Uh, can you know that God? What a, but it just begins to, uh, uh, to dissipate. Then what you have is you have this physical drive that becomes so strong, and I'll put the word sensual here. It becomes a sensual drive, which means that now you're finding that your physical drives begin to dominate you instead of you dominating the physical drives, whether it be food, drink, sex, or whatever it may be. Well, most people relate to that when we hear that because we're, we're all challenged with those areas. Now, let's say that a person finds themselves way down here at an extreme at the very bottom. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just put a, a stick figure here and say, all right, let this person be here. And what happens often to this person is somewhere in life, they meet someone who says, I used to be down in there, but now something has happened to me. And I'm far from perfect, but I do have this stronger spiritual drive now, and it has, it has purpose, freedom, and assurance. It has given me those things. Not to perfection, but I'm telling you in a growing, dynamic way. Now, I would say that's where I am. Now, that can be challenged. Maybe I'm self-deceived. I don't know. But this person often meets this person, and it's somebody maybe at work or a relative or whatever, and they begin to look and say, I'm not buying that. I just think you're self-deceived. I think you've just gotten into a religious deal, whatever it may be. They say, I'm not buying. And then something happens. And they watch this person go through maybe a terrible life crisis, maybe loses a child or something of the worst imaginable thing, and watches with deep grief but an unusual sense of, of peace and calm and, and even joy and go, wow. I've been convinced that maybe they are convinced they have something, but now I'm beginning to wonder, maybe they do. And they begin to ask the question, if that be the case, how do you get from here to there? What is the answer? Well, I want to tell you what the answer is not. For you that are, I'm going to use the word seeker from here on, meaning you're just seeking answers to the Christian faith, to understand Christianity. I'm going to say this to the seeker. As you think about the answer to this, it is not, I want you to know this, it is not church. It's not walking down an aisle at the end of a service and 
particularly being emotional at the end of the aisle, praying some kind of prayer when you get to the end of the aisle and assuming, okay, there it is, voila, now it's all, it's not the answer. It is not the answer. I've done that, many of you have done that. And you know it made no change whatsoever. Two weeks later, done deal. No, that's not the answer. Now, I'm convinced, and certainly the faith of Christendom is convinced that the answer is found in the person, and the person is that of Jesus. Now, that raises the huge question, and it's the question of all questions in investigating Christianity, and that is, who is this Jesus? And, and that's where the heart of investigation really has to take place. I don't know how many of you know the name C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a, a tremendous intellect, very an incredible scholar. You can go to the universities. Uh, you can go to the University of Georgia. You can go wherever you want to go. Uh, tech, you're going to see in literature, he'll be held up as one of the best of the best. Died in the 60s, 1960s, so he's not from years and years and years ago, but, uh, but relatively contemporary. But uh, C.S. Lewis was an Englishman and uh, was known for his intellect and so forth, but he was a self-proclaimed uh, atheist and then I think later agnostic, but in his own mind, he, he would say, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying into the God thing. He wouldn't do it. As it happened to be, he became, now, by the way, C.S. Lewis, if you're not familiar with him, uh, wrote uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, many of you will be familiar with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or some of those, and uh, has been on the theaters, in fact. In fact, there was, a, there was actually a movie made on his life uh, that was on the theaters, outstanding uh, movie. But anyway, uh, here's this man, and he is where he is at this point, and he becomes great friends with uh, Tolkien. Uh, you probably know the name Tolkien, uh, R.J. Tolkien, who was the, the author of Lord of the Rings, another great intellect. And they began to meet at the pub and talk and interact and so forth. And in doing so, uh, Tolkien challenged him and said, you know, you need, C.S., you need to investigate Christianity. And he took the challenge to investigate. Now, not like you and I would, because he goes to the, the annals of history and he goes into the libraries and does all the research and so forth. Well, Long story short, he becomes a follower of Jesus. He ends up writing a little small book called Mere Christianity that's become a, a kind of a, a classic of all Christian books and, and designed for the intellectual. But uh, in there, he makes an interesting observation. He believed that everyone should have the opportunity to investigate Christianity. He was very committed to that. But he said in one's investigation... If you want to be intellectual about your investigation, you only have three choices in determining who Jesus is. He says the first is, he could have been, and I'll put the word liar here. He could have been a liar, meaning he claimed to be God. History tells us that. And, and maybe he knew that he wasn't, which would make him no different than a liar. Or, on the other hand, he could be a lunatic, meaning... He claimed to be God. Maybe he thought he was God. But if he's not God and claiming to be God, you'd put him on the level of a lunatic. If I got here and, and uh, maybe you were invited by a friend and said, oh, would you come to this investigative forum? What is it? I don't know. Just come on. And, and I say, good morning. I'm Randy. Randy, it's good to have you here. And by the way, just so you'll know, I'm not just any mere person. I am God. <laughs> you'd be gone as a mass. You'd say, guy's crazy. Well, maybe he was a lunatic. Or, number three, maybe he was Lord of the universe, exactly who he claimed to be. Now, Lewis goes on to say, some people want to add a fourth category called legend, but says that's where they lose their intellectual ability at that point to, to say, I'm doing an intellectual. He said, it's not. No, we know better than that one. So he says, you really have these three. Now, I came along, now I, I became a math major in college. My mind's very analytical. It's kind of you know, think through and give me answers and all that. And so as I came up exploring Christianity, I, uh, I, I said, you know, here's the way I'm going to look at this. If I investigate and if I come to the conclusion and hear this right or wrong, but I come to the conclusion that he is liar or lunatic, then I would put myself in the category of a fool if I followed the Jesus. Why would I follow somebody that was liar or lunatic? That'd be crazy. Why go to church? I wouldn't do that. But on the other hand, I said, if I investigate and I come to the conclusion that he's who he claimed to be, the Lord of the universe, 
then I would be a fool of fools not to follow him. And that became my way of thinking, all right? If I investigate, then I'll, if I think he is, I'm going to follow him. Now, here's the interesting thing. The question that's left with us is this. It's, the, it's what shapes this whole time together. How does a person do an investigation? Oh, I'm sure you could. I mean, actually, I could, I could say, well, you can investigate by reading the Bible, and I'd hand somebody the Bible, or they'd hand it to me at that time in my life, and say, here, the answers are here. I personally believe the answers are in that book. But you know what would happen? We'd all do the same thing. Genesis, eh, interesting. Exodus, okay, some good stories. Leviticus, numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, we'd say, if the answers are in that book, I'll never find them, right? Never find them. Well, there's got to be a better way than that. That's not the way to do investigation. It came to my thinking that I bet I represent what most people want. Here were two things that I wanted more than anything else. I wanted brevity, and I wanted privacy. See, I didn't want someone trying to persuade me to become a Christian. I wanted somebody to just talk to me about what it is. That's where, that's where I would be. And I thought, I think most people want that. Number two, they, they want the privacy. They, they want to be able to take whatever data it is. They want it to be... They want it to be just limited. They don't want much. They want, it, they want it brief and be able to take it. I want to take it in the privacy of my home or my office or study or whatever and, and, and not have hours and hours of research, but to be able. And when I thought about that, I said, and this was years and years and years ago, I said, you know what we need? We need cliff notes or for the younger people, spark notes. Do some of y'all remember cliff notes? Yeah. See, I see smiles coming on people's faces. It's like a love affair we had. I, I know in, in school, it's like, oh, I love the cliff note because I always said, if I can read 10% of the matter to get 90% of what I need to know, then that's a good deal for me. And so I love the cliff notes. Okay, you got to read War and Peace. Oh, gosh, look at that thing. Well, oh, there's a cliff note. It's only 40 pages. Woo! And I grab that footnote and, and make a B minus. I'm okay, you know, just let me... I don't want to have to just research and research and research and research. And then it became clear to me that there really were only the four questions after is there life satisfaction. That's one we like to address to start with. But they're really the four. The Bible, this whole thing about good people, how do they perish. Jesus, the only way to God. Last one, what's Jesus say? What's required? And so that's what we'll do here each week. And so... The cliff note part, I will actually cover here each week when we come back. And uh, you won't have to even read anything. I sometimes give a booklet out that has some reading they can do, but I'll walk through that each week here as a group. And, uh, and I think you'll find, you'll be amazed to see what happens. See, at the end of it, what's going to happen is you'll say, I think I've had a pretty good investigation. Now, here's my belief. I think that if you are a theist, now let me make sure you know a theist, theist means uh, uh, someone who is a believer in God, theos is God, an ah, theos, theist is a non-believer in God, but if you are a theist, and I would say even if you are agnostic, an agnostic means that you're not sure if there's a God, as opposed to an atheist who says there is no God. I'm convinced I have no belief there can be a God. Which, by the way, if I can parenthesis here, I'm not real sure that I believe that, that there is such a thing as a real atheist. Uh, I know this, I've yet to meet someone that I've talked to who said they were an atheist, that I was convinced they were really an atheist. I think they're agnostic. I remember one person I was meeting with, and they were so adamant there is no God, there's no God. And finally I said, can I ask you, would you give me a second, let me just uh, share a few stories of some recent answer prayer that I've had at least from my perspective, and they were gracious enough to allow me. I shared a few minutes, told the stories, and I said, why do you think that happened? They came back and they said, I don't know, but I'll tell you, it wasn't God. Uh, uh, there, you know, stranger things happen in life than that, I'll tell you that. You don't have to say it's God. I said, okay. So you're convinced there is no God. You are an atheist. Yes, I'm an atheist. I said, well, good. You're not going to mind what I'm going to do. They said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to start praying for you. And I'm going to pray that all hell breaks loose in your life. I'm going to pray for deaths in your family, lack of employment, uh, sickness. I'm going to ask, and I couldn't get enough words out of my mouth where they go, stop that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And I said, ah, so maybe you're an agnostic, yeah? 
yeah, you're a little afraid. That tells you there's some concern that maybe there could be, right? Well, as we begin to investigate uh, as someone who is a theist, I'll guarantee you this is something we want. If we think there is, and I'll use 10%, if there is a 10% chance that God exists, 10%, then on our deathbed, we will never say, sure, I'm glad I never took time to investigate Christianity. We will say, I've asked so many people, oh, well, you're arguing against God and Christianity. I said, what's the chance, this thing about Jesus, what's, what's the chance that he could be who he claimed to be? What do you think the chance is? And I'm thinking to hear 1%, 2%, 3 They'll say, I don't know, 50-50. And I go, 50-50? Are you kidding me? No, let's say it's 10%. If it's 10%, if you had a 10% chance of winning a lottery of $10 million and you are broke, you have only a few bucks left, but you find out that you could spend a couple of those few bucks left to buy a lottery ticket, but you only had 10% chance of winning the $10 million, would you buy the lottery ticket? Everybody says, sure, I would. I said, of course, because it's such a potential great gain, or though it's a big investment, it's not that big of an investment compared to the potential gain. And that's why I think most people who are theists are really looking for an opportunity to investigate. They just want to do it in a safe environment where they can say, give me brevity and, and give me privacy. Don't push me. Don't try to make something of me. So that's what this will be right here. And we'll, we'll uh, approach it in that way. That leads us to the last segment, and that is uh, our Q&A. And we've got, we've got a, a good... Um, you know, 25 minutes or so where we can ask any questions we'd like to ask. I want to give you some instructions about doing that. If you look on your little card, you've got text, number, you've got email. Uh, uh, if God at perimeter.org. Um, I'm going to ask that we follow this, though, as we... I realized at one time I just took from the floor and the floor and the floor and the floor and... And then people said, hey, I don't want to ask a question, but I'll never get an answer if so many people are asking questions from the floor. It's amazing from one, we do this twice a year, it's amazing. One group is just question, question, question from the floor. The next group, very few questions. I don't know, I never understand why. But I used to do the questions from the floor in exclusion until we ran out, then go to the, but some people said, hey, I'll never get my questions. So what I'll do is kind of go back and forth. I'll, if there's somebody on the floor, we'll take that first. And if there's a question, fine, we have microphones that'll be so everybody can hear the question. Uh, because by the way, this will be such that on Tuesday noon, if you or you had a friend that you would like to kind of view what we did today, uh, this will all be online. I'll tell you how you can get it. And that way somebody can come and be caught up to where we are instead of coming in brand new. But, uh, but I will ask that if, if you have a question, when I ask for the questions, if you would raise your hand. I'm going to ask the honor system on this one. There's always somebody that wants to wiggle through it. If you are a Christian, please do not ask the question. If you're here seeking because you don't understand the faith and you really, that's who I would like to have the floor, all right? And uh, you, you, if you don't mind, if, if you'll just put a, a question up, on, you know, that you can send one in electronically and if you send one in electronically uh, you can just don't put your name uh, just say Christian and we won't even have to put that up on the thing uh, just but we'd like to know that so that those who are the real seekers get the first answer to the questions okay but I'll ask that the uh, Christian community let this be a time for uh, for those and, and by the way and I would put that in category if you say I'm just not sure if I'm a Christian I don't know I'm not gonna say I'm not a Christian but I don't know that I am I'm just still in the investigative uh, process so hopefully we can do that um, so with that let's let's start with uh, uh, hopefully you're already texting or already putting some uh, emails up and if not we'll cut this first one short if there are no questions first week's the harder one to get going but I want anybody have a question you like to raise your hand anything you know where we're headed to so yeah question right here right here there's one back and then we'll take you okay so we're good. Hey, um, so you mentioned the 
the thing towards the end about uh, 50 50, yeah. people saying 50 50, um, and sort of the risk versus reward. Um, do you have any thoughts on the risk versus reward of um, basically what if Christianity isn't true, but Christians are telling the rest of the world that it is? Yes, that's a great question. Great question. And by the way, maybe that's happening. You know, if, if that is happening. So what, what's the answer to that question? Here's the way I look at it. I feel that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story that answers the, the question maybe. Um, I'm meeting with a, a young man, I'm saying in his late 20s. Very bright, scholarly young man. And there was a confusion between his dad telling me that his son wanted to meet with me. And I told him, well, have him give me a call, but only if he wants to meet with me. You know, I would not want him to think uh, some old preacher's, you know, running after him. And uh, so I never heard anything. His dad told me the story. He wanted him to come. And I said, hey, if he wants it, he can call me. And, and I didn't hear anything for weeks and weeks. And then the phone rings, and it's this, it's this guy. And, and uh, actually, it was a text. And he says, hey, I'm son of so-and-so. And, and uh, you know, or, you know, we might be able to get together for lunch or something like that. And so we scheduled our lunchtime, so I sit down with him over lunch. And so we're sitting there, and I said, uh, how can I help you? And he says, I don't know, how do you want to help me? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, Dad said you wanted me to meet with you, and I told him I would. I said, so you didn't want to meet with me? He said, no, I don't want to meet with you. I'm not interested, no, that's not why. I, didn't, I mean, he was nice, but he, he didn't want to, and I said, well, Lunch, lunch over. I mean, we'll just finish eating, and there's, there's nothing about that, and whatever. And so we were just going to kind of leave it there. And he says, "By the way, you 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 do know that I'm an an atheist, don't you?" And I said, "No, I, I'm always intrigued when I meet with atheists." I said, "Are you sure you're an atheist, not an agnostic?" He says, no, "I'm a uh, I'm an atheist." And I said, oh, "Okay." And uh, so as we we talked, I said, "You know what's so cool about you and me?" I say, said, we're both, we're both in this thing very similarly. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, see, I see that I'm, I'm a gambler. I think everybody's a gambler. Because every day I wake up, I am gambling. I have no proof to say this is a, take this to the court of law, and this is proven that my faith is real. That Jesus is who he claimed to be, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm, I'm making a gamble every day that God is who he claimed to be, Jesus is the Son of God, and that he will take care of his people. I, I, I gamble every day that that's true. I say, you know what you're doing? I'm a man of faith. That calls, I'm a man of faith. You know what you're doing? You're getting up every day, and you're gambling every day that there is no God, and you live life the way you want to live it. There is no restraint on you from any God live life. You're getting up and you're gambling every single day. I said, you know what? We're both men of faith. We're putting our faith in a different thing. A and you know what? When I answer now the question of well, what if, okay, what if? Uh, I, I know this when I look at the statistics of what happens to just people who are churchgoers, and that's a negative thing for them because most churches are pretty, you know, and I'm, I'm a pastor, but I mean, the church I grew up in, oh my goodness. Churches I come in contact with, I go, it'd be better not to go to church than go to that church. But still, nevertheless, statistics show to the degree that somebody exhibits their religion on a regular basis, call it going to church, whatever, people that are follow the faith. And most people in America would say that their faith is Christian among others. They're certainly not, not all. But those that do, incredible the amount of peace, the, the surveys show they have better peace, they sleep better, they this, they that, they that. Well, not, not exclusively, but if you go a step higher and say if you pray every day in a very personal way to God, if you truly pray to Him, then here is the unique bump that's, that they have in terms of their life. So I look at that and I say, you know what? It's not messing up people bad. You know, it's not just... Oh, there are some little extreme weirdos out there, but I'm talking about the mainstream. I don't see, I, if I've talked to 
a hundred, let's just use a hundred, a hundred people in the last whatever who have actually put their faith in Christ and come to believe and follow. My experience doesn't mean it's true there, but my experience is 98 of those, I don't know, 90 whatever, will come and say to me, thank you. Somebody just came up to me beforehand out here in the lobby and just said, by the way, or, or, actually, no, it was back here. We were talking, just talking about what the difference. I said, I want to thank you for what's happened in my life. Just from the fact that I started coming to this church and found faith and just shared that story with me before this started. So I look at it and I say, man, you know why I did not, I was heading into dentistry. Uh, my dad made an incredible offer. He had a new building, the room for me. I'm heading toward dental school and there's going to be a dentist in He said, man, you'll, you'll have 100% profit the day you start work with me. I'll give you half my patient load. We'll open the doors to new patients. It'll be full and you'll have no overhead. It'll be profit day one. I'm heading toward dentistry. I like money too. And I'm heading there, and you know what the one thing that stopped me? I started seeing how many people that were coming to me saying, you met with me, and you helped me understand the faith of Christianity, and my life is so much, and I hear that over and over and over and over and over, that I go, I don't want to be a dentist. I want to keep helping this. That's why I don't care about a big church. I really don't. I, I mean, it, big churches, not, in fact, I'm not impressed with big churches. This happened to become big, but it started with, not, you know, nobody. It just used to be small, but, uh, you know, you, you can't stop it. It'll keep growing. We keep planting churches, but, but I'll tell you, I'm not impressed with big church. You know what I love to spend my time with? Meeting with somebody over lunch. I meet with two guys right now. I just met them, and I said, I'd much rather one-to-one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one -to -one share the good news because I love seeing what happens in their lives. So I can't say that's true with everybody, but I'm saying this. I don't think I'm doing a disservice even if they found out at death there's nothing. I think they'd say life was far richer for me. But I'm convinced there is, and therefore I'm making the gamble, and I believe in it. I don't think I'm gambling. You know, my gamble, I feel, is no real gamble for me, but let's say it is. But uh, everybody is a person of faith, so that would be, that'd be an answer. So good question. There was another hand being raised somewhere over here. Did I see another hand? Well, or let's go to the, do we have something on the screen? Okay, let's put something up here. Isn't life more about finding peace, inner stability, and tranquility rather than satisfaction? Uh, well, you may be. I, I, you use, see, I think of that as if I found inner peace, uh, inner stability, and tranquility, that would be satisfying to me. If, if you don't think those are satisfying, or if they are satisfying, yes. So I, I don't have any problem with saying maybe the word's not right, so... That's just the term I'm using, and I, I think of that as having peace, inner stability. But um, I certainly am not trying to say that if you get satisfaction in life, that means everything in life goes well for you. In fact, I'll be the first to say, you're going to see that in the week, not next week, but the next week, bad, 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 bad things happen to people of faith. So it's not like, oh, our circumstances all turn better. That's not really true. I think it is the inner heart that changes. So good, uh, good question there. Uh, another question? Any question there? All right, question right here. Good. Let's get the mic to you. Oh. Hold on just a second. Let's get the mic. That way everybody can hear it, and I don't have to repeat it about that. There you go. Okay. You mentioned that C.S. Lewis was a scholar, and I'm sure he encountered other Christians, yet he had never converted to Christianity. Uh -huh. Yet Tolkien did something a little different. Obviously... He must have been impressed by something that Tolkien was doing or the way he was living his life to change his way of life and consider Christianity. What was the difference? You mean what did he say? What did he say or do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. My reading just said that he was challenging him to consider Christianity. They'd meet and talk about Christianity, but I, I don't know the, the detail of that. I, I wish I knew, but I, I just don't know the story on that too much. Um, uh, I don't know if anybody here knows the answer to that question, but I'll do this. I will, I'll try. If I can find somebody that knows that answer, I can research it or find whatever I'd let you know, but I, I don't know. By the way, you're going to hear me say I don't know from time to time because I, I really don't know everything. But uh, it's a good question. I just don't know. Um, we got a question right here. Yep. I was going to offer, excuse me, going to offer the answer to that. Okay, yeah, Bob. T Tolkien said, um, you have such an imagination in your writing and such, don't you consider that everything that you call a myth, Christianity a myth, 
that actually each myth of man is an attempt and a groping after a reality of God. And that started him thinking. And as he processed that, he gradually considered Christianity and became yeah, a Christian. Very good. Thanks. Good. Good. All right. Uh, another. Oh, we'll go to the screen. We'll put, you got another on the screen? All right. We got another. Let's see. In Genesis, the Bible says God created the heavens and the earth in six days. How do you reconcile the era of dinosaurs, Adam and Eve, and Genesis in general? Yeah, you know what? I, I'm a, I'm a, the, first, you need to know this. There are Christians who, uh, I don't think either camp should be criticized for what they believe because nobody knows, but there's the young earth theory and there is the long earth theory. Some and many that are more profound about their belief are going to say it's a short uh, earth theory, that there's, there's just not that many years and so forth and so on. And then there's the long earth. I happen to believe in the long earth. That's my belief. And I'm, I don't see any contradiction. Uh, we may get into some questions coming up through the, week about, uh, through the weeks about uh, uh, creation and evolution. But I don't see the conflict in the dinosaur, in the age of dinosaurs, and uh, whether it was uh, the great flood that brought the uh, dinosaurs to an end, uh, which is a, a very reasonable theory and belief. Nobody knows because nobody was living back there. It's still alive. But the, uh, the fossil evidence and all says there are dinosaurs, and the belief is from so long ago. And I go, I have no problem with that at all in reconciling the scriptures with the long earth theory. So uh, if you do hold just to the short earth, I think you've got some challenge you need to think through there. And I think there are some answers there. I'm not saying there are not some answers to that question, but I don't even deal with those so much because I'm, I'm, I'm more of the uh, long earth theory. So I don't think it's a discrepancy at all. All right. No more there. All right. Any more on the floor? If not, we'll wrap her up. Any other questions? All right, let me give you a quick um, word here. As you look at, at um, your, your Gospel of John, uh, you'll see at the right top, you'll see John and a number. And if you would go through chapter 5, um, now, if you don't, you're still welcome back. But I want to tell you this. If you want to make this a, an investigation, you really do want to investigate. I will promise you there's a reason why this is true. I'm telling you, I've seen this so many, many, many times. There will be such a difference in your investigation. It will have such a much more profound impact if you read a little bit of John in the five chapters that I've asked you to read each day between now and when you come back. I mean, I'm telling you, if you don't get through John, you know, a five, the five chapters of John which just doesn't take that long but if you can't get through that's one thing but I'd rather you rather than read all five chapters in one sitting and not read the other days I'd rather you read a little bit every day and not quite finish the five chapters but I would really encourage you to do that and look in the margin you will see a question for instance everybody turn to page 10 if you look at page 10 which is the left side you see two questions and uh, that is the end of the questions. There are nine questions in the first five chapters of John. And the answer to those questions are found, if you look at it, it says number eight, how did Jesus describe his relationship with the Father? And then it says five colon 18 through 24. Five means chapter five, which you're in. And the thing where it says 18-24, you'll see little tiny numbers in front of verses. Each paragraph begins with a, a little, uh, as a rule, a, a small number. That's called the verse. And so the answer to that question will be found in verses 18 through 24. It's very close to where the question is placed. That's why it's where it is on the page. So I would encourage you to do this, whether you write down the answers or not, your call. But I would try to see, can I find the answer to those questions? That will cause you to read with understanding. You will understand more because you're reading with looking for something. All right? So I would encourage you to look for those answers. And then, though we won't take each question, I'm going to take in the second segment of each, of each Sunday morning, I will take a few minutes and bring you some things out of those questions that you will probably not have seen. And uh, I'll make a bet that when you get finished, you'll go, wow, 
I understand a lot of the Bible I never thought I could figure out. So that'll be hopefully an outcome that we have as well. So the goal here is just to investigate, and uh, hopefully this will be helpful to you. If you've got friends you'd like to bring, again, you can go on uh, perimeter.org slash ifanswers. So, uh, you know, have them check it out. Tuesday around noon, at least early afternoon, it should be up, and you can uh, look at that and uh, give it to your friends. Okay, let me, uh, can I pray for you and just ask God to make this a, a profitable time. Father, thank you for the time we've had this morning. We pray that it would be a beneficial few weeks that that we'd come through at least understanding better uh, the Christian faith, uh, but uh, particularly for those of us that are searching to figure out life and particularly that are, are hurting and sensing I don't have the purpose, freedom, the assurance that I really want. Lord, I pray this would be the most revealing and beneficial time of their life. So make it special. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen.